the Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got game him. Winner. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. JJ German for the win. He got it. JJ German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Friday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher in the wee hours to bring you a broadcast here on Friday on the podcast as, uh, well, I just got back from Chattanooga. Mike's been waiting patiently. I guess you did some work. There was plenty to do. Yeah, okay. There was plenty to do. Yeah, Don't sure. worry about it. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's jump right into it. ETSU uh, loses the rail robbery game 16-13, and Chattanooga came out of the gates, picked up a 7-0 lead, really kind of punched ETSU right in the gut, sort of like um, – it was flipped from a year ago where ETSU kind of punched Chat in the gut. ETSU did have a quicker response where it took Chattanooga about three quarters to get something going. In last year's game, ETSU able to get a, a touchdown and ended up being the number one play on Sports Center. Well, Huzzy ties it up at seven. Then they get a couple of field goals. And then uh, 13-7, what's fourth quarter chance uh, either to take points, go for it fourth and one. We'll hear from Randy Sanders later. They don't convert there. Chattanooga misses like 14 field goals in a row, whatever Incredible. it was. It just really was. Never seen anything like that was, from a kicker in one game. There was le- – I legitimately felt bad for a Chattanooga player for me the first time in my life. And he that takes a, a lot for you. It, it, it did. It was him sitting and rocking on a bench after the third miss and nobody wanting to say anything to the guy. Let me, let me just see if I've got – the, the sound. We wanted to rock. That's not exactly it. Well, I'm, I yeah, I'm sure that one. I love local. I know it. I know it. It pains you to even say the yeah. c word, yeah. Jay. I know that bothers you. That's yeah. Coach Zell at the Coach's yeah. Show when you had her on last yeah. year, and she's right. The c word for you is Chattanooga, and you cannot stand <sighs> it. So when you feel bad for somebody from Chattanooga, incredible. And, and I got immediately got blasted because like, well, the guy didn't win in the game. It worked out. I said, but at the moment, you had it, to. You it have was a heart. lonely feel. I mean, just and it, I probably can't paint enough pictures to, to how no one wanted to be around. Now, again, Chattanooga did a good job to, to pick him up there at the end. Um, certainly, there was a weird sort of vibe at the end of the game in a chess match. And I'll, I'll try to describe it best I can. You know, Chattanooga's kind of rolling down the field. It's about 248, I think, specifically to go. They have a first down right around the 24-yard line of ETSU. First play lost a couple yards, I think it was. ETSU calls a um, timeout. Then the next next play, I don't know, picks up a couple timeout. Another play, short of a first down timeout. And then they tried the, I think it was a 31-yard field. A 36-yard field goal on that one. He missed that. Then ETSU comes out, tries to hit a, a maybe catches Chattanooga off guard because they went pass-pass last couple of plays when they had the ball. So they go run. Didn't go timeout. Then the chess game goes. Randy Sanders, again, I'm probably here a little bit 
from him later, but he basically said in a nutshell, and we'll talk about full comments later, that at that point didn't want to throw an incompletion and give him timeouts left. A couple more runs, didn't work. Then obviously, Chat goes down the field, kicks field goal 18 seconds to go, and uh, Oma uh, gets a little bit of redemption. I did think the, the celebration from him was, was a little a bit, over the top. A bit long, a bit cool. And what was amazing was normally. And I'm not begging for a flag there because it would have been meaningless anyways. But at some point, you think somebody, the officiating, would have noticed, like, hey, that happened, like, 14 minutes ago. Could you get off the field? Like, we've seen a celebration like that at ETSU. It was the last game ever uh, that nobody knew if ETSU was going to come back. 2003, Jonathan Godfrey hits it. There's, like, three seconds left, and Godfrey ends up doing a helmet throw, and he's at midfield, and there's a – but you're like, the program's done. Program's done. done. That's exactly right. What are you going to do, buddy? We're not going to play again. So what are you going to do In to 12 us? years, when you think about coming back, we're going to say no. Like, you can't do it. Yeah, you know? like, I just uh, – that made a lot more sense than that, but because of the emotional day for him. I mean, people were trying to drag him off the field. That was, I, I'll give you that was – you know, immediately made me uh, dislike Chattanooga again. But uh, <laughs> it was that quickly how I flipped the switch. Uh, the the only other thing, and I'll let you ju- jump in there for for your thoughts, was that the first time the Bucks had given up a 200 yard rusher since 2000 uh, against um, oh gosh Ivory, Chris Ivory, who was a running back oh, for wow. Furman back in 2000. Sure. So that was the first time a 200 yard rusher. That was a little shocking. Got Chris it, Ivory in the league that long? That's yeah. crazy. Because so, that would make him like a 10 or 12 year pro. I didn't realize he was in the league that long. Olin Ford's a beast. I mean, he is a stud. I think it was on the first touchdown drive, maybe, where it was third and five, and they handed it off on the 10-yard line, something like that. And basically, from what it sounded like on your broadcast, that it was him versus Jason Maduofakwa. And Maduofakwa was either going to stop him, it was going to be a fourth down they'd have to kick, and God only knows, based off of the day that Victor Alma had, what would have happened. Instead, Ford basically runs right over him or at least wins that battle and on third and five gets six and gets that opening touchdown. Uh, what a wild game, not only for the field goal kicking special teams plays, and we talk about special teams all the time. You specifically talk about it all the time and how it can swing games. I, with all of those chances that Chattanooga gave the box, I thought there was absolutely no way that we weren't coming out with a victory. And you had the 13-7 lead, like you said, it kind of unfolded like it did last year, except in reverse, but then countering I don't know I guess maybe too early not that there's ever too early but you know what I mean like Chattanooga ran out of time last year when they came back late and made it 17 to 14 and it seemed like they if they would have had maybe five or ten more minutes may have won this time ETSU got the lead and the missed extra point by Alma after the touchdown in the second half made it 13 13 and then kind of a stalemate and then the weird fourth quarter I, I, I'm not sure that I've seen a fourth quarter like that and Boy, I, I don't have any problem with any of the decisions Coach Sanders made until the three runs. Uh, I'm just going to put that out there in the sense that I think that it's being talked about a lot by people around the program and on Twitter and everywhere. Fans obviously want to hear about it, and I just didn't understand it. You know, I really didn't, and I think Coach Sanders does an excellent job um, with his team. Um, but, boy, third and ten, I think it was. I think it went, what, first and ten, second and eleven, third and ten, three runs, and – uh, I get not wanting to leave Chattanooga with time. You want to force them to take their timeouts and have to go down the field, and, and I understand all that. But it was almost like the game was managed like ETSU was ahead rather than tied. And then I heard Coach Sanders afterwards in 
the chat with you say, well, you know, you didn't want to give him time in a tie game. And, I mean, he's a smart guy. He's been in plenty of football games. I, I wasn't actually thinking that he didn't know the score, right? But it just seemed like the game was managed more like ETSU had the advantage. Because then you put them behind the eight ball, Chattanooga, make them go down the field with less time, with no timeouts, et cetera, so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, head scratcher for me and uh, frustrating, obviously, because you felt like that was a game you could have won and gotten the rail. And, boy, as the game went on, it seemed like it was emotionally more and more like one you wanted to win because it seriously did feel like a rivalry there in that third and fourth quarter. It was no doubt. and and Even after the game. ETSU winning, which the teams took a while to get uh, separated at that, but like it, it took a, a long time. But if there was any doubt um, at this point in time, once Chattanooga grabbed the rail, had a celebration, we've got some videos out there, them celebrating with the rail, then I think it's um, it's fair to say it meant something to both sides and the players. Again, you know, a lot of guys knew each other. You know, it's uh, cross pollination, if you will, because where you get guys who either were teammates, played against each other, they're in the same state. It's you know, they are recruiting against the same guys, you know, for, for the most part. I mean, when you look at guys that signed with Chattanooga or ETSU past couple years, you know, both teams were on the list. It came down to this team or that team. So, uh, I think there was a lot going into that with the battle. But it did turn into what basically Coach Rusty Wright said would be a street fight. Street it, fight. it had a feeling of that night when we – clarify we really don't mean there was a fist fight or anything <laughs> like that just how the game you joke about bar felt. fights not a yeah. bar fight right yeah but it, it but it did feel as a physical game there were teams you know both both teams made plays both teams went at it both teams uh chippy on each side of it but it was just a hard fought physical football game in which etsu out physical chattanooga last year i don't feel like etsu was really out physical all the way around. I mean, it was a couple aspects of the game where I think Chattanooga had an advantage. It was clearly a, a quarter and a half or two quarters where I thought ETSU out physical Chattanooga had an advantage. I thought it was an e- about evenly played game. And to be honest with you, there have been three games. They've all been tight. I wouldn't say all of them have been great games. Certainly not the 2017 one. They've been, you know, they've been good games as far as the score and their tightness, that and other. But, they, but sometimes when you get teams like that that are emotionally charged, that, that have some things going, you, you can get that type of game between them. And you could look at all three and make a case for the other team winning all three of those. Let's just go down the checklist. Fourth and two, first play of the fourth quarter, you can kick a field goal or go for it. I personally had no problem with going for it. I didn't either. An explanation I thought was a good one was he felt like not only – was a field goal not going to win? It's ironic it was. It did, but at <laughs> the time, he did, he said he, he felt like not only was a field goal going to win it, he felt like he needed to score there and score Touchdown again and then again. Yeah, yeah, he said he had to score again, and and he doesn't regret going for it. He just do it again. obviously, he said, well, looking back, obviously I need a better play call, but he'd do it again, and I like that too. I mean, I, I think the way the things were going, it kind of felt a little different. You know, we all kind of went our ways about it and around the broadcast but nobody was very anti like oh don't go for it here don't do this I, I think we all liked the call I thought it was one of those wow moments in the game where I literally said oh they're going for it this is a big moment you know but I was never anti or negative that it was just like that's gutsy and I like gutsy in a head coach and I like someone that wants to win right and so then you have with like you said 248 left you burn all three of your timeouts to try and get the ball back because you're assuming he's going to make the field goal I had no problem with that either did you? Did not. So those two, I'm 100% you needed, in on. You need as much time, and he got as much time as you need. Now, just 
happened he missed it. But and and if you would have known he would have missed it, sure maybe you want one timeout left, but you don't go in thinking that way. So the mindset was perfect, I think. Third one, the uh, three runs, and then ultimately you don't end up. Uh, well, you get the ball back, but with like 14 seconds left. So you do the three runs, you punt it away, and they go down the field, get the field goal. Did you have a problem with the three runs? No, I mean. Uh, it's tough to say. I, the the first down run, I don't, I don't. To me, the first down run was an easy call. Oh, I think that's. And funny, I yeah. almost predicted it because you just felt you try to catch them off guard. And here's the key: you do something a little conservative, deep in your own end, to try to get one first down. Then you sort of open a playbook up. That's the general rule of thumb. I think there was a chess match once because I, I don't know that coach was expecting Chattanooga right off the bat to call a timeout. I think. He thought they would maybe wait to see what happened on second down. Mm. And then I think that might have changed a little bit of his play call second, third down. But when they call it on first down, I just get the feeling he went into, if we throw in completions, they have more timeouts. We don't get a first down. And he, I mean, it's basically what he said. Yeah. So I, I'm just going there. But the first down, I, I, I think, honestly, was a good call. Yeah. I, I don't think not many people in the buildings thinking run right i think the second third's what got probably more people head scratching but he's trying to play for, and again that it was sort of ben don't break defense all day for etsu came down to yet another field goal and of course they hit a couple big plays i mean they you know they had a one-handed grab catch you know etsu had one uh, early in the game then they get one you know late in the drive and a uh, couple missed tackles here and there, too. ETSU had sort of bottled up. And, and then Stovall comes out of nowhere, right? So you're looking at a limb mm. four coming uh, and making plays, and all of a sudden Stovall, Stovall, because of all the injuries they've had, who has only had a few carries this year, ends up getting a game. Heck, he breaks a few tackles. And, and then again, uh, Chattanooga gets the dramatic win. Yeah. And, uh, again, a frustrating one. And I think that one that fans clearly were frustrated with on Twitter and such. And, uh, you know, you come off a conference championship, that's going to be the case. That's and it's Chattanooga. Are high and it's Chattanooga. And it, frustrating to lose to that team today, especially with how the teams were going back and forth. You get emotionally involved as a fan. And it's your fourth straight conference loss to start the year. And, again, though, uh, honestly, another game that could have gone either way. And the opportunities were there. And that's kind of the tale of two seasons, right? It, the opportunities last year were exactly. there. You took advantage it, of all of them. It everything that, that could go right went right last year. Kind of felt like everything was trying to go right for ETSU. And tonight's game did, didn't happen. And uh, unfortunately for the Bucks, everything that went well last year has not gone well this year. So, all right, we'll hear from Randy Sanders after this from Santa Sidekick on the Bucket Air Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Santa's and a sidekick. Early morning for us. What is it? 
242. baby. Why wait till the actual morning when We're gonna, before you go to sleep? Are you, you, are you sending this out? Or like, you know, I am. I love it. Just so you wake up, you got it. Just in case you want to relive this first thing in the morning, babe. There you go. If you want to wake up with a depression, it's not only for fans, but it's also for it's our It's therapy boss. for us right now. Well, yes, and it's also so our bosses can look and be like, gosh, hardest workers in the building. Selfishly. Yeah, yeah you know? especially when I'm not here tomorrow. Or today, technically. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, too. there you go. All right, well, let's hear from Randy Sanders. Uh, this is basically just on the outcome of the entire game, but a lot of it's focusing on, and listen to the outset of this bite, uh, the fourth and one slash two where he ended up going for instead of kicking the field goal. If I'd have known we were going to get that result, uh, we didn't run the kicker out there. But fourth and one, I had started to go for it probably twice earlier in the game. I got a lot of confidence, obviously, in our kicker from where we were. But at the same time, I thought the way we were running the ball, I thought it was a chance right there for us to uh, stick it in the end zone. Uh, truly felt like it was going to take more than three points to win the game anyway. At worst, I thought, you know, well, they got to go 90 or 85 yards or whatever it is You know, if we don't make it. So they're going to have a long ways to go. So hindsight, should have kicked. But at that time, I, I didn't think three points was going to win the football game. Not that I didn't have confidence in our defense or anything else, but I just felt like, you know, we were going to have to score. We were going to score touchdowns and probably have to score again at some point. You know, that's the unfortunate part about football is or there are no mulligans. You know, you, you make the best decision you can. You got to go with it. You know, hindsight, I probably would go for it again. I would just call a different play. They did a nice job of defending what we ran. I, I thought that, again, I thought that was very honest about the fourth down, just thinking in his mind, not only do I have to score, I got to score again. I've got confidence in my defense, making them go the full field. You know, just if he thought three was going to be enough to win it, he would have kicked it. He didn't. And he just said, well, I just called a different play. But I, I liked everything about the bike. I think that maybe once in a while, Coach gets caught in the offensive mindset where he maybe plans for the wrong thing, right? Like, he's such an offensive guy, and it's no fault that he is, right? He's just got that background. But in this situation instead of trying to punch it in and again i had no problem with the call neither did you i don't think a lot of people would take him to task for that but was he planning for the wrong thing it's a 13 13 game fourth quarter if you take the three then at 16 13 your defense has been your best unit since you got here so then do you just trust them but then the other side of it is if the kicker doesn't miss three field goals and an extra point technically coach sanders is right you know, I mean, he's right about the fact that it would have taken more points. It just happens to be that Victor Alma had one of the worst days in the history of kickers. That's including Cody Parkey for the Bears and Roberto Aguayo for his entire career and, uh, you know, all of the different uh, abominations that you see. Martin Gramatica jumping in the air and blowing his ACL in a celebration for the Arizona Cardinals. It's including all of those for me. It's just like one thing after another where you're literally looking, I'm sure, at Matt Wilgham as I was looking at Dallas Honeycutt in studio during the broadcast and saying there's no way he makes this. It's a 36-yard field goal. It is not going in. 36 yards. And you, to your credit, talked about it on the podcast. I believe it was on, well, yesterday, uh, Wednesday, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. I can't keep track. It, technically, it's yesterday for us because we haven't slept. Whatever. But you said 43s is long. Boy, that seems strange. He's 2 for 10 in his career. And I think you mentioned the 2 for 8 going in. I He's think you 2 for that. 10. And so that's where really the game swung. 40 or more. And it swung seemingly. Three-year starting favor. kicker. I'm sorry. I just no, it is, no, it, it is incredible. It's, it is, it's a little mind-blowing, i got to be honest. And that's like his fifth missed extra point in his career. Now, watching the coach, they were blasting the long like Rusty snapper. had a tough night down oh, the sideline. He was, he was something uh, to watch. He is, he is 
I thought Angry Man had issues. Mm. Well, he does. It can be both. That's fair. And Ru- Rusty, right now, the best coaching job he did was after about the third or fourth just dumb penalty, having the team meeting, kind of pointing to the school board like, hey, you guys are screwing this up. It is 13-13. You are killing us. You've cost us about 50 yards in just about eight plays. Can you stop it? Like, I realize you're jacked up. Maybe I've got you jacked up. Tone it down. We can't keep getting these penalties. That was the other part of it. Chattanooga was seemingly unraveling at different points in the game. I mean, I don't know if ETSU was just in their head that much, but it was personal foul after personal foul after stupid penalty. And that, again, I think is what makes it so frustrating for ETSU fans is just, I mean, it ended up being 8 for 81 yards, which is by no means a low number. It's not outrageously high, but it's way too many, right? And so then they were shooting themselves in the foot, not only with the special teams and Alma, but also with the penalties. And uh, again, though, you look at that bite from Coach Sanders, and he said it like four or five times. And I think he knows that if he could go back, he'd do some things again. He used the word hindsight, you know, and that's what we're doing. That's our job. We have to do that sometimes, hindsight. And so sitting here now and talking about it is, is easy. In the moment, I don't have a problem with what Coach Sanders did planning-wise. I don't have a problem with him going for that fourth down. Um, and he said he'd even change the play, the little tip pass to Sailors or whatever the exact uh, exact way that things went during that time. But um, very interesting to hear him recap it all, and he does so more in this bite. Once they got down, what would you say, 16-yard line? I knew they were down in there pretty deep. you got to think the guy's going to make the field goal. So I'm trying to save as much time as I can at that point to give us an opportunity to score. I would have loved to have had a timeout, but I didn't want it to get down where we only had a minute to, to operate with. So calling those timeouts, the whole time I'm calling the timeouts, I'm thinking, all right, now if this if he does miss and we get the ball right here, we, we got to figure out a way to run the ball. Running the ball against them tonight was difficult. They, they did a nice job. We, we popped a couple of runs there, but for the most part, it was a lot of um, two and three and four yard runs or weren't wasn't a lot of consistency with it but the whole time i'm calling time out i'm thinking you know if, if he misses this thing and i get it back right down here at the 20 yard line with the score tied and then with three timeouts if i throw in completions i'm giving them the ball with with more time on the clock and timeout so i didn't want to do that so we tried to run it tried to make a first down obviously we didn't do a very good job of it you know once he missed the field goal i was kind of kicking myself in the butt for calling the timeouts but Again, you, you got to believe he's going to make it. I certainly don't want to play scared, and I'm not going to try to p- start playing defensive at this point. I, I'm going to try to play to win. Same reason I went for it on fourth down. Hindsight, I wish I could do it over, but uh, it is what it is at this point. Interesting because it just doesn't talk a lot about the choice to run it on those three downs when they got the ball back after the missed field goal, and that's what I think more of the emphasis is from, I'd say, fan sides and people just watching the game where Coach, it was interesting, focused more on the – Boy, I should have kicked it to make it 16-13 early in the fourth quarter. And, boy, I'm not sure if I would have used those timeouts again if I would have gone back knowing he would have missed the field goal, which I don't think he's catching a lot of heat for those two things. But the other, you know, from fans and, and other pundits. I mean, he said really a, that's a really a lot. That was a, a long bite and a lot several things. things to get to in that. You know, had trouble running the ball. You know, was hoping they could pop them because they had popped big plays. His terminology, right? They, they've hit big plays or big plays that happened. So what was it sixty-three yards for Quay? Yeah, Quay home sixty-three yard career long. You know, his other long was only thirty-some yards. We all found that shocking on the broadcast. Hmm. He has a fifty-four yard reception, 
But uh, as far as running the ball, just uh, uh, anyways. Uh, and he's had, you know, 59 and 69-yard kick returns. So so maybe just that all runs together at some point because Quay's touched the ball so much. But, um, I, I again, I still go with I like the first down call to try to catch him, do whatever. And then from there, he basically tells you, well, now if we throw in completions, we're still giving them timeouts, more time, backed up. What do we do? Do we do we not want to throw incompletions? On the flip side of that, well, you can't, you know, throw completions if you don't throw the ball. And in your question, I'll say this. You did call it a cat-and-mouse game, which I hadn't really thought about, even though it was kind of the back-and-forth of timeouts. But after that first down is a very good point that – Perhaps Coach just Coach Sanders just wasn't prepared for that and didn't know which way to go. So as, as we drove back from Chattanooga, and I've had time to think, I I really wish I would have, and I can ask him this during the coaches' show. I really would ask, or maybe press conference, if they went to call a timeout on first down and maybe waited to see what happened on second down, would that have changed his play call? I'd be curious to see. I think once. Once they called the first timeout, they're pot committed to calling timeouts. So even if you're maybe not thinking about them having timeouts, you immediately, it's in your head, right? Ooh, they just called timeout. They're going to call these timeouts. Do I want them to do it? I'm, I'm just curious, was there enough thought as the game? Because it is fast still, right? So if they don't call a timeout, okay, we ran it on first down. Were we going to maybe throw it on second down, see what happens here? They're holding on their timeouts. Or because they called the first time out, immediately went to, and that's where I was going with the cat and mouse game. Sort of was, you know, you use your timeouts. I thought perfectly because it ended up working where they missed it, and you had the most time possible. They only ran like 16 seconds off from the time you started calling timeouts. So I'm thinking you got all that time, but then when they start calling timeouts, I'm wondering did that affect him? You know, and again, some of these things are are happening a little faster on the field. I had three hours to think about on the way home, but. I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder if I could have asked that follow-up question if he would have just right off the cuff said, no, I was probably going to try to run it to get a first down at that point, and if we didn't get a first down. Because I think he, the way he worded it was, if we get that first first down, now we're starting to get down right. the field. That's what, I, that's what I feel like he was going to do. He wasn't going to run it, run it, run it, run it, run it, end of the game overtime. He was going to run it, run it, get a first down, throw the ball. That, that's what I got. But I still think if they don't call a timeout, they being Chattanooga on the first down, would he have done something else? And then Chattanooga saved that for second, third down, and then they've got one in their hip pocket for the offense. But once he called timeout the first time, Rusty Wright and Chattanooga, I'm thinking that might have changed and just said, okay, let's just try to get a first down on the ground. And if we don't, they've used all their timeouts. I think Coach was a bit shell-shocked talking to you about all this because he – said that the running game was inconsistent and that it was tough to run against and you heard in that bite tough to run against Chattanooga but then he also said in a different bite that the running game he wanted to get the run game going and he liked how the run game was moving on that fourth down and two now it technically wasn't a run play it was a little touch pass from Trey Mitchell and Jacob Sailors early in the fourth quarter so he liked how the running game was going and then he said well it was difficult to run against them it was wasn't consistent so maybe those are a little bit cut from the same cloth but also just when it comes to that late game management I think that he was a little surprised just generally how the game uh, played out as were many people we got to throw it better we got to catch it better all those things I thought Chattanooga did a good job of challenging us in the uh, passing game they obviously changed quite a bit from the way they had played for the most part this year 
did some things differently, challenging us a little bit more, and took a series or so there to adjust. Somewhere, you know, the first series we went three and out. Second series, I thought we had a pretty decent thing going there. Made our adjustments, but we're not good enough to let opportunities slip by. You know, we can't miss open receivers. We can't drop passes when we have opportunities. And first possession of the second half, I think we third and two and a half or three, and we threw the play play action. action And, you know, we, we can't let opportunities like that slide away. A couple things we haven't talked about. That play action, I believe, was early in the third quarter. Trey first, Mitchell. First uh, drop for ETSU in the third Anthony Spagnoletti, and from the sounds of it, Spagnoletti had his defender beat by, what, four or five yards and just underthrown. Ball was eventually knocked away. Uh, that stood out as a bad throw for Mitchell, probably the, his worst of the night. But overall, and you said it, he had spurts where he was really good. Him and Will Huzzy were really hooking up. Huzzy, obviously, a great night. Six catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. We haven't talked about the first half and just the unbelievable amount of drop passes. Again, Nate Atkins it's probably been, got the best hands on the team, and he dropped the easiest. He pass. had the screen pass, and he had, had, had some running room. Yeah, there, it's missing guys when they're open, and when he Mitchell is throwing the ball, guys aren't catching. It's still an issue. The passing game is still a work in progress. Now, the Bucks did push it down the field more. You know, there were some crossing routes that were open. They took some deep shots. One obviously resulted in a number one play on Center. Scott Van Pelt uh, has it on his show. Um, Probably not a surprise to you or some of the people that have seen him practice. Uh, no. and Been and, doing that for a while. And, uh, again, I don't – for the pregame, and we script a lot of the stuff out, uh, give or take, but I don't pick a player of the game. But I had talked with Robert and Don well before – anything and I said I, I'm going to say Will Huzzy's going to be the player of the game I just feel like he's going to get the start he's going to get opportunities and I know he's been kind of laying in the weeds now I'm not taking full credit for knowing he's going to make a one-handed uh, number one play in America catch not even you probably had it that high no but I, I, I knew he had great hands you know he he's he's big he's long he's lanky he's got speed redshirt freshman I just feel like he's he's got a nice career ahead of him. And a nice first half. Six catches, 75 yards to score. Got things going. Then they start out paying attention to him. Then then you're throwing a ball around. And it was some tough catches. I mean, Keith Coffey made a, a, a tough catch. I thought that, uh, Nate Atkins on the screen pass he did catch was able to make a, a guy miss, pick up eight, nine yards. So there were some things that worked, but the passing game is still what is really hurting ETSU and separating because Chattanooga, you know, they just rushed four. You know, they didn't even care if they got the tray. It was like, eh, let them sit back there. You know, and they just played coverage a lot. And they were just all over uh, the receivers after a while. And really, early third quarter and some things, they, it was back to seeing, you know, guys safety seven yards off the ball. You know, not 15 yards deep. Not giving the running game much breathing room. So, it's still the passing. Offense has come a long way in two years but still what's sort of lagging behind consistently, even with Austin, a quarterback, we saw the passing game go away some last year. The passing game is still not there yet. ETSU 6-1 and one in games separated by a score last year, 1-3 and three this year. You look at the offensive rankings in the Southern Conference up through tonight. Sanford scored 137 points. Furman 120, VMI 118, Citadel 111, Chattanooga 110, Mercer 74, Western Carolina 73, ETSU 64 at the bottom of the league, and there's only two teams that have played four conference games, those being Sanford and ETSU. So the Bucks at the bottom of the conference, despite 
seven teams above them have you played one less game. The I mean, it was the first game they haven't turned it over. Think about this. It's the first time in 11 games the offense didn't have a turnover. Dating back to mid-October last year, Citadel, it's the first time um, ETSU hasn't turned it over. And that's, that's, a, that's a lot of games to turn the football over. And they played a clean game on that side. I mean, it was really Chattanooga's special teams. Two kickoffs out of bounds. They fumble a punt in which they would have had the ball at ETSU's 40-yard line. Instead, ETSU has it at their 41-yard line, able to punch it in for a score. Three missed field goals, a missed extra. I mean, everything about it and just seemed like ETSU. That, and you look at all the games last year, all the single-score games. I guess Austin P was a single-score game, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. one and three. But, sure. I mean, it, just, it was flipped last year, all those games, because ETSU lost the last game. Jacksonville State was a single-score game. It's just flipped, and everything that sort of worked out last year just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. This season, still a lot of you know, still football to go. I mean, you gotta lick their chops, get back out there. Still for got Sanford a chance for a five hundred record in the Southern Conference. Yeah, there we go. All right, well, we got bold predictions coming up right after this timeout. Sam Sidekick. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes to New England, you're crazy. The AAF is a juggernaut. It's only a matter of time before it overtakes the NFL. You really think the NFL and Roger Goodell is going to let Josh Gordon back in? I mean, it's obvious. Fletcher McGee is getting drafted, maybe even in the first round. No, 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 no. I've got plenty of sources more than you, Mike, in Knoxville. Rick Barnes is no way considering that UCLA job. Bold predictions. Those age really well, by the way. And they get worse, even though we hear them every week. (laughs) At least they get more comical, hopefully. Uh, That's the hope, as opposed to just hurting us, hurting our souls deeply. I'm surprised you have bold predictions. Now, this is a mandatory thing. You know, I mean, it's 3 in the morning, and, yeah, do we want to go to sleep, and it's been, you know, 19-hour day, all that. Sure. But bold predictions rest for no one, and we will not rest for bold predictions. I'm ready. Do I have to go first? Who goes first? Uh, well, I'm still ahead. I'm 3-14. and 14, You're 2-15. and 15. So, yeah, why don't you go ahead? All right. The first one I'm going to do, Aaron Judge, the judger, zero. RBIs his last 14 at bats with run scoring position. I'm going two home runs. Two home runs, game five. Wow. ACLS, two bombs. The judger. Rescuing the Yankees from possible elimination. Are you saying the win as well or just two bombs? I'm going two bombs. They win that game, but they're not going to win the series. Okay, I'll just put down two bombs. Yeah, let's Uh, just go with that. Somehow, Arizona State is a 13-and-a-half point dog at Utah, and to me that's just – Easy as a Herm guy, as someone that loves the Sun Devils, mainly because Herm's there. But obviously, I'm going to take Arizona State to upset Utah on the road. Number 17 Sun Devils, number 13 Utes. Uh, I don't know how it's that big of a spread. It's almost a little bit like your pick last week 
where you picked Florida, who were a similar dog at LSU. It did not work out for you. I hope it works better for me. Arizona State has kind of been a lot like ETSU, except flip season since Herm took over. Arizona State, 13 one-score games their last two years. ETSU, 11 one-score games their last two years. The Sun Devils last year, five one-score game losses. And then this year, three one-score wins. So, again, we just talked about one score in the previous segment. Arizona State's kind of the FBS version of ETSU, it seems like, just flip the seasons and flip the results. Arizona State is 5-1 and one this year. Obviously, ETSU won on their great run last year. So, Arizona State over Utah. And I'm not sure I've lost a Herm prediction yet. So, this for me is almost a lock, or so it seems. And we'll grab the tape and play it on Monday. Yeah, not, sure, obviously. sure. I'll, I'll tell you what, what I enjoy. I'm going... Uh, our other adopted team, uh, as as obviously Arizona State is your adopted team, True. but we've uh, we probably haven't gone in great detail here, and I won't bore everybody right now. But we have uh, had a friend of the podcast was on there for a while, Trey Adams, and uh, he put his name in the fan transfer portal. We did a random name <laughs> generator. It gave him Texas Tech. Yeah, they are seven point dogs at home against the Cyclones, and I'm taking the Red Raiders. Iowa State's dogs. favored in a road game? Dogs. I'm taking the Red Raiders. That's not a bad pick at all. Uh, going into last weekend, four quarterbacks had not thrown an interception in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, Kyle Allen, Marcus Mariota, and Russell Wilson. You may have noticed that while the ETSU game was going on, Patrick Mahomes apparently dislocated his kneecap. That's that what everyone's horrific. saying on Twitter. We don't know the MRI results. Depending on when you're listening, you probably know way more than we do. It's 3 a.m. right now, and all we have is we have to wait and see how long he's going to be out. Best case scenario, three weeks. So he got hurt. Marcus Mariota got benched, and Kyle Allen got the news this week that Cam Newton's going to be the starter when he comes back, even though Allen's 4-0 and since taking over for Cam, and the team was 0-2 when Cam got hurt. So that's three of the four. So I'm saying that something bad is going to happen to Russell Wilson this weekend. Oh, that's wow. the bold prediction. Something wow. bad. Very you, cryptic. You're a bold predicting. And and are you openly pulling for this? Something bad is going to and, happen. Uh, are you pulling for this? That's my question. I am predicting. I will not say whether I'm pulling oh, or have set something oh, up on the side. I'm just that saying is, that something bad, unfortunate, and for Russell, wow. a very memorable mean, moment in his life. His I mean, family. I felt like I had something, and it's just it has left my body after hearing that, that Russell Wilson is Halloween's going to be. come early. It's a spooky bold predictions on Santa's the side. Oh, I know something what I had. I know what I had. You ready for this? Um, sure. Tannehill, Rano. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I know him that well. Yeah, Rano. I yeah, I think he's so yeah. bad at quarterback. He's going to find Delaney Walker twice for touchdowns. Aren't Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota both the exact same amount of below average? I've never seen two quarterbacks that are just parallels of underwhelming like them. It's incredible. You've basically taken out your franchise guy for a guy that's exactly as good as him. Maybe not as fast. I do have Delaney Walker in a couple of fantasy leagues. So I'm out. going Tannehill, Delaney Walker, two scores. It's the Demarius Thomas revenge tour. He's going to score a touchdown <laughs> this week. Oh, I love the that. That's Patriots. a good one. Nine That's catches, 108 yards, and no uh, touchdowns this year in the regular season. I'm saying he gets his first touchdown after he said that it was a waste of time 
In the press, he said a waste of time to go to New England. Has anyone ever said that about the New England Patriots, the dominant franchise of oh. at least my lifetime? A waste of time. Yes, when you get oh. cut or traded and uh, they don't want you You're bitter. You're not sure. part of the winning. That's, that's exactly right. But that, he's out for revenge. Yeah. He's going to get it this week. A touchdown. Yeah. What's he got? Four catches all year? Five, uh, nine catches, 108 yards. Oh, that was close. Yeah, but no yeah. touchdowns. Okay. Well, I was going to go 100-yard game with two touchdowns, but I dialed it back a little bit. That seemed like a, a wow. bit much. One touchdown against his former team. Is he, can he even say it's his former team? He did not he play, play a regular season game. He put up two touchdowns in the preseason. Yeah, sure. In one game. All right, 3-0. Uh, what do we got? 3-0-8. 3-0-8 officially here. Now uh, we're going to finish doing other work and then uh, yeah. going home, and I will not be in the office. Uh, I do feel a little better, actually. This was a very good What's therapeutic? Yeah, I hope people wake up and don't fall immediately back into their sorrows listening to this. I'm sure they will because people added me a lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they did. A lot lot of at me. (laughs) I usually don't get any. I wish we could archive like three or four hours worth of Twitter just to go back. And when the Bucks are back to their winning ways, we can be like, gosh, look how mad Twitter was. Buck Nation was not happy. And look at us now. Hopefully that day is sooner rather than yeah, we will have a little bit of a fun show Monday, right? Are we going to do a special know. four downs or no? It's 3.08. I'm not playing this. Yeah. All right. Santa's sidekick, Monday after the weekend. Mike and Network. See ya.